1: Hi, everybody, Russ and my hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you're made aware we have any time to put new content on. Obviously, we've got all the charity stuff coming up, but let's talk about charity, mate. Um, let's that was like harry overfield god that came from god dear. um we've got obviously the live event on thursday um with uh jim's already laughing we've got the live event on thursday seamless. seamless. seamless.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um so that's gonna be good uh we want to make ten thousand pounds at iron sport food Bank. um we've got uh, obviously uh isla fights uh, the my hammers 11 prints produced by steve kerger 25 percent of them all then go to isla as well so that's all the charity stuff done looking forward to that Um loads of great guests those are coming for the next um, few weeks uh, including today's guest another one from the stop hammer time uh list of recommendations so no pressure <laughs> it's jim Kearns. hey dude, jim how's
0: things with you man
2: i'm very well thank you thanks for having me and uh given the kind of long and illustrious uh, list of people who preceded me i hope i can somewhat live up to the uh, the names that have gone before me it's a pleasure well i mean you know such greats as chesney hawks you yeah know? i mean yes.
1: you know, <laughs> yeah. so you know chesney hawks and you know so obviously phil and jim and we've had a uh, but a few of the older the old originals we had obviously pete may pete ward um so yeah you're just in the the next of a of a long line but actually you're probably the youngest one of that bunch i think in terms of the ones that phil gave me
2: yes quite quite right yes yeah i'm several decades younger than than all of them (laughs) uh yeah that's 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 um that's a good point well made exactly (laughs) and one i will be making to film next time i see him (laughs) totally agree that totally agree that um how's things with you um jim at
1: the moment in terms of you know obviously you know this this new world, new normal we live in at the moment.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I was saying to you before I, I I'm somewhat reluctant to to talk about how much I'm enjoying the lockdown yeah, because yeah. uh you know it's it isn't that way for everyone. And and actually, I mean, I you know did have the virus quite on in the in, you know early on in lockdown. I spent three weeks in bed um as a result of the virus, as opposed to just sort of you know taking to the yeah taking um, time, yeah, yeah, which I've also been known to do um so but subsequent to then i'm very fortunate i can work from home i have you know an office at home that i'm able to um to kind of lock myself away and mm. um, during the day and work so i've been very fortunate and um whilst i kind of appreciate it, it hasn't been this way for everyone actually for me spending a bit more time at home and a bit less time on the central line has actually been yeah. uh quite uh <laughs> Quite a it's nice feeling so to
1: be honest. Yeah. It's so true, and it's quite good in the old wallet as well, isn't it? To be honest, something funny. It's like it,
2: uh it is,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean we, we used to our company, we had to take a sort of deferral to make sure everyone you have know, enough money in the kitty and stuff. And um I was probably spending that on the train,
0: really. Right. Yeah. And
1: so you know it's like well, it's, I didn't really see much difference. Um, and also you don't have to spend, you know, your you know three pounds meal deal at Sainsbury's oh i'm so you know how the mighty live uh,
2: but uh, yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so it's it makes
1: a big difference it really does
2: well i think it really it's, does. between that and then you know in the first period of lockdown obviously there was no football so there was none of the additional stress or agony of yeah. watching us uh play which also meant that the first few weeks um was like a summer holiday you know there was you know the weekends would come you wouldn't have to worry about no. uh, skip, skipping match of the day um or finding an excuse not to watch it um so it was quite pleasurable and actually i think you know the, the reason that this show is so interesting and um has been so successful is that i think looking back is always uh, you know in recent times has been a lot more fun than than what we're yeah. actually experiencing so i think that kind of nostalgic element um is actually quite enjoyable
1: exactly i totally agree and, and i mean that's why we started the channel because i was the same as you a little bit bored i was sort of a little bit twiddling my thumbs a bit and um yeah you had the first sort of few weeks of lockdown and uh, you sort of get through your netflix box sets and things like that and but then you know they just started to get more and more romantic comedy do you know what I mean? The selections, the wife for like more reality TV, a lot of Australian ones, you know, they're watching one now. Australia's married at first sight. It's like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it just means that at least for an hour, exactly. Yeah, yeah whatever, Jimmy, on a series. I know it's on a series link, Um. but but it just gives me an hour away. It gives me an hour away where they can watch their crap and I come back and I'm trying to educate them. I got me to Homeland um, the other week, which I, you know, because... You know, they watch. What did she, she watch the a day? Designated Survivor. Have You seen that one on Netflix?
2: Oh, I've seen it pop up on Netflix. K- Kiefer Sutherland. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I didn't think. Yeah, but she smashed that in three days. And um, and then uh, and I said, well, do do homeland. It's like seven series or eight series, and you can uh, last at least a week. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah. But you're right. Not having the stress of West Ham for a hundred days. Not having to look at a, uh, a league table or read a transfer rumor it was nice it was nice you know you could just watch all the footballers on instagram kicking a football outside their apartment you know in, in canary wharf and it was lovely and then they came back and it was business as usual you know <laughs> like you know
2: wolves came in and it's like oh, yeah okay <laughs> well, i think there was definitely a period of being like schrodinger's football fan where they couldn't be bad and they couldn't be good and they yeah. were both relegated and staying up at the same time And Mm -hmm. so that was, all. you know, there was was something to be said for um, the kind of in perpetuity um, of every single week just remaining constantly where we were in the table uh, with nothing else happening. I mean, there was there was a kind of an element of escapism of, well, well, eventually, you know, it might come back, but we can probably just pretend that it's never going to happen. And West Ham will remain where they are. Um, But, you know, to be fair, actually, I I, I agree with you on the Wolves game. That was um, fairly disappointing. And the Spurs game that followed it was. possibly more disappointing um but actually all, all things considered i thought that you know moise did a pretty good job yeah um, he's, he's done it then. twice you know yeah, he's, yes,
1: he's, yeah. he's been been picked up twice to do the same job and he's done it so yeah and i've still got a, i don't know why i mean i always have blind optimism every every off season um and i, I lost it a little bit about one minute past nine on Thursday last week, whenever it was with the fixtures, this count. But now Good. I'm back on it again because I was talking to someone about the Slaven it season where we started with, you know, a, a, a Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, all in the first few games, and we did all right. And I'm confident. I'm, i am i think there. I'm there, I'm there at least until about half time at the Newcastle game. <laughs> and then I'll be like, Oh well, fucking hell.
2: Well I, I can tell you now that no West Ham fan has ever turned to me for optimism. Uh so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm afraid gonna be able to you know to pump more air into it. So much God God bless you for your optimism because if it wasn't for people like you, it would be full of people like me and we'd all be we'll with have to hands.
1: It's just yin and yang. It's yin and yang, isn't it, Jim? It's like, you know, you have one hand giveth, the other taketh away. But um, yeah, I mean if if it wasn't, you know, if you didn't have people half glass full, then the half, you know, then there would be no um full glass at all, you know. So but I know what you mean. It's um yeah, we've I mean we we've we've been a bit hardened and a lot of people are just, you know, another season, but I wouldn't mind a boring season this year. Do you know what I mean? Like a curbishly season or something like that. Just get 11th or 12th and be safe by about January, February time. I'll be all right.
2: I'll be all right, I think, this year. They seem like halcyon days to me um, (laughs) now. Uh, They seem like relatively... Glorious period. Yeah, in, uh, we'd have
1: right. DVDs from really based on our success. <laughs> yes. since we've been, yeah. play, you
2: know, three, three successive draws releasing a DVD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I one hundred percent would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think the fixes are difficult, um but I, I have faith in Moors and I, and I, I think I too, I'm yeah, in, in the minority in that sense, but. Um, you know, I think him having a preseason, albeit one that's a bit curtailed, and we mm. appear not to have any money at all, so you know, he might have to just kind of do more with what he has. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think he's experienced, and I, and I, I just feel like what the club actually needs is a bit of boring stability, which I think is what you're yeah. what you're talking about. And you know, a three or four year period of um, not being in a relegation battle would actually be. Um, sensational <laughs> so yeah. um yeah. you know i I'm, I'm with you 12th would be i would be delight, delight. yeah
1: well especially because you know i mean we've got the pre-seasons they, they kick off tomorrow we've got You know, by the time this comes out, the first two games would have happened because they're both at the same time, aren't they? That's right. So they're splitting the team, you know, there's social distancing and all that, but it's like, you know, having (laughs) having two teams in different counties um is quite impressive. But uh yeah, and and then they come up quite, you know, quite fast. And obviously we've got um then we've got Brentford, haven't we, at home? Uh then we've got obviously Betway got to the final of the Betway Cup again. Um, again yeah, yeah, no, no one picks up there, on right? that no one picks up no. on that you know every year we don't always win obviously we've got Bournemouth so probably mm, lose yes. that one um and then you got yeah so it's like it's gonna come really really quickly you know it hasn't seemed sort of four or five weeks um and and yeah I've, I, I'm the same as you I've I think Moyes in our situation I think he's actually probably the best manager for the job because you know he didn't spend a lot of money at Everton and everyone always mentions that as like he's cv you know he's, he's sort of you know when you're writing your cv your first three lines at the top but you know about what you're really good at it was always about everton so um and i think you know bringing stuart pearson and and kevin nolan you know in in the sky <laughs> i would not want to be a fancy dan um coming off half time not performing
2: no no i mean I, I i think as well you have to consider who would realistically come you know and i think yeah. it's, you know we we all might say well we'd love Julian Nagelsman or whatever, but, you know, that's not realistic. And, yeah. um, you know, even people like Eddie Howe, um, who might, you know, or people of his ilk, yeah, it, are they really kind of going to deliver anything more yeah. or, or different than what Moyes is? You know, maybe, so. maybe there is a natural cap actually on what a team like us can realistically achieve without a, like, kind of a massive restructuring of an awful lot of mm. things about the club and probably a massive restructuring of Premier League football, which redistributes the t- money more evenly around the league. You know, I mean, w- without that, actually, yeah. it seems like us are forever going to be in, in a certain sort of pit of the league. Yeah, we're in a, s- a
1: certain, yeah, certain level, aren't we? And I, and I think the trouble was, I think, you know, and and you know, it's retrospectively looking at things, hindsight's brilliant. But um, the whole thing around, you know, I think Pellegrini, it's almost like, you know, when you, you know, people, it's almost like he built this really nice apartment but it was on really really crap foundations and so it just crumbled I and it's like this. yeah exactly <laughs> and now it seems that moise is a type of like laborer who's going to put these foundations in um which seems like it in terms of coaching and the coaching staff and the scouting network and all these stuff which pellegrini just had on bits of post-it notes apparently you know all over the place um i just think he's 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 more he just, I think he's just more workman like. He's got this all sort of, you know, sort of hardened, my much be, you know. but also I like people who, you know, what I like about Moisey is, you know, he's not afraid to wear a tracksuit. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, I don't like managers who are prim and proper all the time. I like ones who could slum it and wear a tracksuit if they're playing Bournemouth <laughs> or something like that. You know what I
2: mean? Well, I mean, I think the analogy is probably quite a good one, actually. I mean, that. Uh, I often think that quite a lot of the um, the successes of the village that first season mm. were actually built on foundations laid by Allardyce, who totally. I was not a fan of at all, and it wasn't mm. a, um, you know, wasn't particularly um, enamoured of the way that he played football. But yeah. Allardyce went and left a fully functioning back four, and then village mm. had some better Good players, shot. and and they they put them on top of it, you know similarly we're working in reverse now which is that Pellegrini's left quite a lot of good attacking players but almost zero defensive base as far Mm -hmm, as I can see so I think Moyes is trying to lay some foundations and frankly it's not glamorous and it isn't sexy and fans don't pay their season tickets to um, uh, it, 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 they don't pay their money for season tickets in response to the notion that the fullbacks might position themselves a bit better going forward. <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, if you want to finish twelfth in the Premier League, your fullbacks do probably need to know where so to go. True. You know, occasionally. So, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all for a bit of unsexy um, scrapping.
0: For, yeah, <laughs> for a, I just for a think we
1: should a be a bit nastier. Do you know what I mean? We've always been a bit of a particularly Pellegrini was a bit of a soft touch. I thought, you know, and it seems like particularly with, I mean, even like you know, classic. Is, is the corners you know now we're nasty in corners you know antonio and, and i was i was talking to somebody else the other day about it about the effects of kevin nolan because kevin nolan basically was that man in front of the goalkeeper wasn't he yeah and he just right. stood there with his elbow and he oh i didn't oh oh sorry you know antonio's he's giving that role to antonio because he's like stocky it's really hard for the goalkeeper to get you know to get past him and um we just seem to be a bit more bit more nasty you know and then like corners itself you know we never really scored a lot of particularly in particular the modern era from goals and corners and you know with Suchek and stuff it just seemed to be a bit more direct doing long throw-ons and stuff like that and I don't mind well, that to be honest
2: I think being a bit more functional and um kind of utilizing the tools that you have at your disposal like totally. Suchek seems to be um yeah I mean like that Chelsea game I mean Chelsea are a funny team I mean you know fantastic going forward but like it's like Lampard just doesn't fancy doing any defensive work yeah. at all uh, and they've also got that terrible goalkeeper where they would be better off just sticking like a balloon animal in goal rather than Kepler mm-hmm. is absolutely abysmal but then you kind of you watch that game and you're thinking well now we finally have a kind of a structure to our play that can take advantage of a team yeah. who are um not not kind of able to cope with that and Suchet obviously scored one goal had another one ludicrously ruled out because someone yeah. was laying on the floor you know all that kind of stuff so yeah look i, I agree with you i think a bit, a bit of um uh yeah kind of as i said unsexy scrapping is not yeah uh, it's not a bad thing totally just to mix it up
1: funny i mean that was that was funny that chelsea game because you know part of the, the premier league directive is i have to play gold music and so you know i had it all oh, lined you're up you are
2: to blame for this yeah, guy. Well, I, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's not me but it's not literally i've been about well this is my 19th season doing it something like that and i've never played gold music in 19 years doing it but it was a directive from the premier league they they also wanted originally um music for var decisions and i was like and i and i originally pitched the countdown theme tune but um but they didn't like that so we didn't do it um but yeah so this gold music so we had it all lined up and obviously the first time was 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 the disallowed goal I was like, well that's it I told you. you told you that's why we didn't have it. Because <laughs> then I'm a fucking idiot. And uh luckily you made up for it later on. But yeah, no, it's 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 weird, yeah. We can't um, yeah, they always want gold beat us and hopefully we don't do it once everyone gets back into the ground. But uh yeah, because I'm very much against it. It's very Americanized. I don't like it.
2: Would agree with you.
1: But I quite like the um, I was watching the 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 NBA the other day and they've they got some cool stuff with all the like the zoom like wall of Like fans, like proper. I know we. I know we pissed about about it when people, when it was alleged. You know when Nigel Khan said we're going to do it as a joke, and everyone (laughs) it got on the telly, like in the newspapers. But it works really well. And I was watching. I was watching some wrestling the other day, and they've done it as well and it looks really good it was quite nice but uh yeah because yet she had there and league of their own had it as well they're on the telly they're right people watching that the audience and um at least you had a bit of atmosphere like direct atmosphere not like you know someone playing fifa um
2: yeah 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 yeah. i mean it's it's kind of been interesting i i've i've watched the games without the crowd yes on um because i actually think it's quite interesting to hear the players Yelling, it's basically yeah. to hear Moyes spend ninety minutes yelling Felipe <laughs> in in the game against Wolves was um, you know the only thing that was distracting me from her her badly we were playing, um, but you know I think to me it's quite interesting to hear you know how, how much professional footballers talk to each other, and I think it's also quite interesting to watch games played. Um, I think without so much emotion. Actually, I think footballers are playing yes, in a more um, sort of—I don't know—calculated is, is quite the right word. But they're they're playing in a different way than they would do. And it, and it's just interesting when you watch because. You watch a game sometimes, and you think, God, that foul there—if that was sixty thousand in the stadium, or however many in the stadium—and it was in a away player making that, hundred percent they're getting a the yellow card for that. Yeah, and that—that that didn't happen, and so you saw. I think actually, referees letting the game flow more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know VAR is um, <laughs> in, a, in a in a difficult period of its existence, shall we say? <laughs> yes. um, but I felt like actually, sort of generally officiating absent VAR was quite good, mm-hmm. and actually, I quite enjoyed watching players play. Without the pressure of fans demanding that they make pointless twenty yard runs to close down players who don't need closing down or what <laughs> you know whatever it might be and it, to me it was just interesting to watch a different type of football yeah. um and again you know we don't know when fans are going to be back in um in the stadium, so it'd be again just kind of fascinating to see that as it um as it kind of unravels over the upcoming yeah, season and the,
1: and the other thing i'm worried about because actually we quite playing quite well when there's no there's no fans the adverse effect is we'll play really really well and then the fans will come in and they'll just go oh, and they'll freeze and they'll be crap for the rest of the season because you know and that's the trouble that's the stand way in it jim you know you just you just can't westland never never work with the hand they dealt with uh,
2: well <laughs> or, i mean I I, I I definitely think there's something to be said for um i, I imagine if you're a westland player not being, not having that sense of um, negativity that can roll around our stadium from yeah. time to time. I and mean, you know, sometimes it manifests itself in booing, but it's even just sometimes that, you know, a misplaced past here or a, a, you know, a fluff shot or a substitution comes on that the fans don't agree with. And all of a sudden it's just like, a little kind of wave that goes all the way around the stadium and then everyone knows that the fans don't want that guy to be taken <laughs> off and that guy to be brought on so all of that was kind of absent in in that yeah. end, end of season and actually i thought i just thought it was interesting to i don't, I, I couldn't say whether it made us play better or worse and frankly i think that's probably more down to just what Moyes was doing in terms of how he structured them but yeah. um just interesting to see how it was different
1: yeah no i know exactly how you and exactly yeah it was interesting i just think um yeah I, I mean, it's one of those things where you know you never know into the hands you get dealt with so you know we may maybe you know we play at a certain we're playing well and the fans will give us the extra, give an the extra 10 so they do run the extra five yards and and, and put it in yeah. a bit i mean it's i mean the fact is everyone can see the game a lot better than they did at the stadium you know it's on telly all the time so they get all the camera angles and they get the replays and they don't have to queue up for a you know we at half time and it's so I know it's it's <laughs> yeah. there is something to be said about and, and i love it because i i mean i got a car park space at the stadium well, yeah i've never done that <laughs> i'm home in 20 minutes so it's great for me um but uh we'll see what happens now the the question i always ask everyone um jim he says uh 20 20 minutes into the, the video <laughs> the first question is is why is west ham your club?
2: Um, and i think my answer probably would be similar to lots of other people which sure. is just i'm um, i'm local i was born yep. to a west ham family it, it's a little bit odd actually because my family um probably like a lot of others were, were sort of an immigrant family so that's an irish immigrant family yep. who um came to uh you know the east end and you know my grandfather worked at fords my uncles and various other family members were there Um, but interestingly then some of the family went back to Ireland and it was funny enough I think the drive to be a West Ham family actually came more from the Irish guys so they kind of went back to Dublin I presume everyone in the 70s and 80s were supporting Liverpool and Mm. and Leeds and Man United and and so on and I think they were there was something so special about being a West Ham fan and so you know when I was born um you know into the family it, it was a. It was a, we were a West Ham family, but it was a. It was an Irish thing that was driven by the Irish element in the family. And then, um, you know, I think my dad was my dad was a, a football fan, but it, it, it wasn't something his dad had taken him to. Yeah, yeah. But he, you know, I liked playing football. I got into playing football as a kid, and then, um, you know, he, he took me to uh, my first ever game. West Ham lost four 0 at Leicester. Um, right. <laughs> they had <laughs> Smith on the up front to me for yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I, I felt like it was um, it, it was a reasonable first game to take me to, in the sense that they set me up for quite you know I, I knew what was coming, um, and then really the, the first ever game, my home game, first ever home game was the Ipswich game in 1985-86 when um, we Ray Stewart scored a very late penalty and we went second in the table. We, we it was during that massive backlog of fixtures at the end mm-hmm. of the season, and, mm-hmm. and you know, so I suppose at that point, as a sort of six or seven year old, I thought. Wow, you know, not only are they my team, but they're brilliant. You know, this is great. I'm setting this myself up for a life yeah. of um, <laughs> uh, a life of fun. And then, um, you know, they, they, well, you know the story. We we aren't brilliant, um, but I think once you're hooked, you know, once you go and you know, my, myself and my cousin, we still go together. We have our season yeah. tickets together. Um, you know, and, and I think it is a family thing. You know, I take my daughters. He takes his sons. You know, our dads took us. And, and hopefully it will pass on down through the generations. it's not, you know, you're, you're not a West Ham fan for the success. No. Um, you're a West Ham <laughs> fan for, for something else. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just always, it just felt like the right club, you know. Mm. And they, they played team, whether they did or not, were always renowned for playing good football. Um, yeah. You know, they, they produced good young players. Yeah. They were, and it was kind of electric, you know, going to Upton Park, mm. particularly in midweek, uh, for midweek games I started going yeah. in the early 90s and I think that experience that football game experience was unparalleled really and um, for, for a young kid it, just, it was just amazing and that was just to watch us play you know Bournemouth at home on a Wednesday night <laughs> you know it was yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it wasn't particularly glamorous football so yeah I guess sort of family is, is the real answer
1: yeah but, it's, yeah but it's interesting i mean everyone has that yeah everyone has a sort of a, yeah the, the the genre of origin stories can be like three or four different but it, it's the it's the it's the subplots as you said yeah it was a family but then the whole irish connection and they sort of embell it like put the layer on top in terms of how you were sort of you're going to be a west Ham fan and obviously once you really you said you're in and then it's too late for any any yes, any yes, daughters yes, yes. or sons um <laughs> sorry <laughs> so funny, but yeah
2: that is that that is right I mean my my I remember my sister very briefly experimented with being a Spurs fan uh primarily to wind me up yeah. um but you know she's uh she's a huge West Ham fan as well and and yeah I mean it, it is yeah I mean even now my kids are like why do we have to be West Ham fans it's like yeah you know I'm afraid you are there's no it's just you just are <laughs> Just I mean, are. I mean yeah I mean crazy. exactly
1: I mean I got the yeah, same as my although I did go to yeah like we always go it's funny every time we are in lakeside or whatever my daughter's like because she knows it'll make me happy she always say, should we go to the west ham shop daddy i was like yes, go and have a look at the west ham shop and you know and then obviously it was 20 percent off the weekend so she got she's like oh there's a new kit i love that yep 20 off yeah good girl nice good girl she knows it makes me happy but you now and she's i mean we live in hornchurch so we're relatively close we were close obviously no no they moved to dagman at redbridge now they? the women's game so she's she used, used to go rush green quite a lot and she yeah. uh she really enjoyed it she really did really live a shit about west ham about football and then i don't know whether it's people at school and kids oh my daddy works at west that well you know and then and then she started getting into it a little bit more so maybe maybe this season i might take it to a well might get my wife to take it but yeah
2: i mean it's, interesting. it's interesting i'm a season ticket holder for the women's team i, I live in Hull church too actually so i'm not very ah. far away from the ground and and um, my daughters are much more willing to come to watch the women's yeah team than they are watch the men's team and i think there's something in that, just generally, about the ease of driving five minutes up the road. Um, but and but I, you I think you get car park space. You and get, you get, get a car park, park space. <laughs> that is very true. Um, but I think you know, to be fair, not to downplay it, I think it is also very important for for young girls to see oh, people definitely. like them playing football. And I, you know, I mean, I, I remember my my eldest, uh, uh, my middle. I've got three daughters. My middle daughter and um, is it plays football. And um, and you know, I remember watching the, the very first West Ham game. I took her to Rosie Comita was playing. Um, and she was just yeah. like, I've never seen anyone play football who has hair like me. And of course, <laughs> as a bloke, you know, this is not something that ever crosses your mind. But actually, yeah. it's really, really important for young girls. And then with them getting to the FA Cup final, you know, hopefully, I mean, there's, I, you know, I coach my daughter's team, so I'm a little bit familiar with the girls game in Essex. There are hundreds of really talented girls yeah. out there, uh, you know, fantastic players. And hopefully... Um, in a few years' time, West Ham should be a really, really strong women's team as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great. I mean, yeah, it was like, she and my daughter kept We took a, a, a friend, she's got twins' friends. And, yeah, it was like, and also it cost me, like, six quid for us to get in i think that because it was like a family ticket it was like you know i could have got in myself it was a tenner or something like that or as a family it cost us a fiver and then we had to buy another kid for a pound it was brilliant great fun i loved it because i never get a chance to watch football like properly you know i'm stuck in that box and i've been for so many years that i just sort of not it's really weird I, you know, I don't shout at the referees because i'm not in the you know i'm in a little box on my own really Who, who's going to listen to me so i was proper on you know shouting at the referee that my wife said russ right. what are you doing i was like i don't know i don't know it's just like this whole sort of, sort of hooligan thug came over yeah. me <laughs> it's so see. embarrassed but yeah um no it's it's, it's all good stuff um um, and as you said, yeah, it's one of those things once you're in, you're in, aren't they? And you're never gonna get out and um, and he said it's not about it's not about the football, it's about, you know, the fact is as you said, you go with your family, your cousin and their kids, and that's what it's all about. I think that that really has you know, this sort of whole no, you know, behind closed doors football has really exemplified the fact that it's the fans that make football. I just do yeah. it just it just it just do and it and it's yeah you could have it you know when i go and watch you know obviously one of the 300 there it's weird and but you just don't get just no connection just don't get you no know, connection with it because you don't hear the fans you know you don't hear i i have to literally put the crowd noise on the telly <laughs> through my ipad just because otherwise it's just death these all i can hear is you know the tapping of like journalists computers yeah 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 it's like a reserve yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like the other yeah, 23s god yeah. yeah but even that was like 200 and they were all like their friends and family so it's a little bit more you know a bit of a reaction blessing yeah. um and we still do all the video i don't know why we still do all the videos and uh, <laughs> it's like who for there's no yeah. one here literally for my own benefit i'm watching it anyway anyway <laughs> <laughs> moving on so let, let's go on to the 11 let's go on to the hammers level now obviously, um everyone that comes on we, we ask them to pick their eleven, so it's their eleven they can do whatever they want with it. The only rule is they have to be alive to a scene and play now, I believe you're mentioning you may have in, you may have put some self imposed rules on on who you pick in your eleven is that correct
2: i uh, yeah, I did so I decided um to also implement a rule that uh so there's a, I guess there's a couple of rules but they're sort of similar but 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 essentially what I'm saying is um to myself when you think of this player you need to think of them as a West Ham player. So as an example, I think if you were going to pick any West Ham eleven of the greatest players ever, you probably should have someone like Liam Brady or Paolo Futre or even Teddy Sheridan would be yeah, fantastic world class yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. But I guess my point is we got we got them all of them at the end of their careers yes. when you know still fantastic players but you know in particular like Food Trade, you you couldn't have them in there so I I guess I've I've sort of said if you don't think of them as a West Ham player then you you can't have them and similarly um if I saw them but they weren't in their prime then I've not chosen them either so oh, as an example is. I think I said to you I kind of started watching mid eighties but I really started yeah. going properly home and away in like 1991. Um, so I would have seen players like Phil Parks or Alan Devonshire or Alvin Martin, who would have definitely been in this team. But I'm kind of saying the version of those players that I saw, I'm not picking. Yeah. The problem with that is that it also ruled out all, of our, all Sorry, about. So we've, we've, to, we've
1: yeah. had fuck all. We've yeah. had fuck all people their
2: so, time. So, yeah. So, so my greatest team is getting relegated. <laughs> but but you know, there's the bracket. I mean, in the end, of rules. Bra- but yeah, some rules. in the end, quite a lot of good attacking players, no defenders. That feels to me like quite a good microcosm of, of supporting West Ham. So, I feel like actually a lot of fans will empathize with this team, even though they would never have it. So, you're right,
1: because we literally always, but probably hopefully 11 at least, um, we we always uh bookends, we get people at the bookends of their career, some people. Either side, you know, Joe Coles was, was either side of the bookend before he wins, yeah, but but still, it's like we never really yeah. have. as probably only a handful, maybe 11 occasions where we've had someone who have actually been in their prime. So I'm looking forward to this. All yeah.
2: right, we'll start off in goal, okay? So in goal, I've chosen Ludek McClosco, yes. Um, first goalkeeper I ever saw, um, you know, play for West Ham really, really consistency, and actually. Mm. a a lot of fans i I think he's one of those players who i think if you remember him at the end of his career when he was a bit (laughs) bit error prone there's probably like a whole load of fans who might be watching this game he's he's talking about the same bloke as i remember watching but but McClosco in his prime was it was really you know a fantastic goalkeeper and he um that season that i kind of mentioned a few times now that 1990 season when we got promoted We, we I think, went unbeaten 20 games or something to start wow. the season and, and McClosco kept like 12 clean sheets or something, mm. you know, and, and what he, I think more than any other goalkeeper of the era that I've watched West Ham, he was capable of producing these sort of one-off performances and the very famous one obviously is the Man United one to yeah. deny them the league. Um, but he did that quite a lot of times where he just was absolutely incredible and it was just sort of, you know, you shall not pass. And you know, he would keep the score down to three one or something, you know. But like yeah, yeah, he, he, he was he was a fantastic keeper in his prime. And I, I mean I do think fabianski is is a tremendous goalkeeper and I did give him some thought, but McClosco to me was a sort of defining goalkeeper of my time watching my yeah, No, I agree there.
1: I and mean, and you're right, but Fabiansky's that like 35 36 now, in he. So and I wouldn't say he's prior, his prime was was probably that first couple of seasons at Swansea, it was he
2: was definitely his prime.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. yeah,
2: and yeah, you're right. Actually, I mean, does he does he even fit my criteria? Possibly not. But um uh but yeah, my, as you said, there may only be eleven people who fit my criteria. So we shall see. But Ludo and Go. Ludo and Go.
1: You you go through the team because I know you've got it all written down, Jim. So you go I, through I, it I as do. you
2: want to. Well, this is so the coaching me has also tried to sort of actually figure out a way to get this <laughs> We should we shall see. So anyway, right back would be Lucas neil Yeah. Who, um. I mean it's funny when I when I thought back over the period that I've watched West Ham, um, you know, Tim Breaker played for a long time as a mm. West Ham player. I mean, again, there is an argument that you wouldn't think of Lucas Neal as a West Ham player, but I kind of think he was pretty significant for us when he played. Yes. So I'm 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 gonna take liberties with my own rules, two players in, <laughs> and say that I'm having him. Um and I it's funny, I, I I saw you did one of these with Gio from Ham's chat, and I think mm. you know, I, I feel we have quite a similar team actually, but um he mentioned that Neil, the impact that Neil had on and off yeah. the pitch seemed to me very significant, and I I don't really put any stock particularly in the notion that a captain is particularly important to, to football teams. But Neil, mm. to me, actually was I I felt Definitely. like he he sort of changed a bit of the mindset coming out of that Parji era, and there was the you know as you say, Kurbishny came in, and I, I just felt it um, was actually quite an underrated player for us. It was it was a really totally. Good player.
1: totally we had um we had uh, we had Anton. On the channel a few weeks ago and yeah i mean he was like waxing lyrically about the impacts of lucas neil on his football career and his life in general
2: really and i was, yeah,
1: and I was like really and then he spoke about it and he spoke about you know that they they had a, like a, a team meeting um where lucas neil basically said they were like, training one day at the ground and he goes right coming over upstairs we have a team meeting upstairs and all the players went up and then curbs and Murphy day turn up and he shut the door in their face. with No, no. And he basically said in his, his gravelly Australian accent, "You know, if you don't want to fucking play here, tell me now, and I'll get the boss to get rid of you." You know, we we're in this together, and we've got to sort ourselves out. And um and basically, Anton went. It scared me shitless, and I wanted to play. And I'm yeah. <laughs> just like you know. And yeah. then he also apparently and you talk about the, the effect on a, on a club. He, he apparently was one of the first captains that anton can remember who insisted that um he'd actually go around collecting um a percentage of all the players win bonuses to give to the ground staff and the tea lady and the kit right. man and just to say you know thank you you know if they were doing that and they weren't getting paid could you imagine if they were getting paid a bit extra they might yeah. you know press your socks a bit better you know <laughs> and stuff like that but um yeah, yeah no i and i was totally you know stuff like that really didn't think about Lucas new in that in that light but it really raised sort of my eyes to him yeah and i think
2: sure. he, he reminds me a little bit what you're talking about there reminds me a bit of kevin nolan as well that kind mm, of yeah. pro like, a, a, like a, i know it sounds ridiculous but like an actual professional yeah. who's come in and, and he's going to you know do things properly and i think part you know part of the problem with sam actually and i and i suspect you'll find this a lot as you do these teams and obviously you've done a large number of them we've got tons of these sort of players who arrive at West Ham and they're there because there's sort of something wrong with them and they're absolutely brilliant players but they wouldn't if they were if there wasn't something wrong with their mentality they would have been at much you know bigger clubs and all of our sort of icons of the modern era are like that yeah. and we love those players I mean I, I I've got a friend of mine who just said like you know on out of it it's just he's an absolute west Ham player he's like mad so he's but he's brilliant he should of course be a West Ham player and yeah. i think there's something about that which means that we romanticize those sorts of players and Definitely. don't properly value people like lucas Neal and kevin nolan and other just totally. sort of genuine pros
1: totally and what's really interesting i just don't think i don't think it's just also in terms of captain position and, and 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 the way people play is you've got people who haven't appeared in any fans 11 but they appear in almost every player's 11 of that era yeah. you know sort of the not the unsung heroes but basically pretty much the people who defa- played like defensive midfielder you know so it was always so like, i think it was in martin allen's in um a few others always pete butler was in all of them
2: right, and,
1: right, right. um in the sort of mid 2000s always hayden mullins was in everyone's 11.
2: right
0: yeah.
1: you know and it's like i think luke i think when i interviewed luke chadwick he put him right back just to get him in the team you know it's like yeah, yeah, really and it's yeah. like then you go actually i can see why because they were proper professionals and people respected them for what they did as a within the team in terms of the, the best you know, they weren't the flat the fancy Dans. they weren't the guys you know scoring 20 20 goals or as if 20 goals a season but 10 goals a season would be nice um yeah but they would be doing the hard graft and stuff and um take pete, you pete butler I mean he was he was the first player i ever met um right. and um yeah no i have a soft spot for Bowler because he's also liberia national manager <laughs> yes he and, is,
0: you're right yeah
1: <laughs> and when i interviewed him he was like dialing in from the compound um george Weir's <laughs> compound it was absolutely mental so weird but i love him he was such a nice bloke and he texts me all the time there i was like it's so he's so sweet i love it right okay lucas neil lucas neil in
2: who's yep. next man so left back is I think unsurprising if any fan in my era is probably going to pick Julian Dix and he is I think the the best left back that we've had I mean I I don't think I can probably say very much about him that others haven't said you know he was to me as a kid growing up he was my hero you know one of my heroes at West Ham um I think what I would say about him I think a lot of fans again kind of idolize the sort of you know the passion thing and all that which is fine but I, I actually think he was just a very skillful player and I, and I, don't I think agree. There, were, there were very many, it, it, there, were, there aren't very many fullbacks who I've watched can sort of control a game from their position and Leighton Baines was one, I, I kind of remember watching him mm. a few years ago play for Everton and thinking, wow, like, you know, this guy like the best yeah. player on the pitch and he's playing he's at left back um, and I feel like there were times when Dix did that for us and, you know, just that ability to distribute the ball, to defend, he could obviously take free kicks and penalties you could win headers from corners you know i just think he was an outstanding player and um you know i think with him and neil i think we'd be quite solid down the flank. Yeah. so that's why you're, you're totally him.
1: right you, i mean you're totally right about julian you know it's like it's not the most glamorous position um left back uh, but he um and, and it was a bit of skill or maybe one of his tackles he would galvanize a, a crowd the, the, in upton park from left back and and dictate the game as well from left back as well and um i mean what i like i mean yeah but he was an incredibly skillful player you know i remember mean, someone picked it up mentioned it and i actually went back and looked at youtube at the time where he's he always used to do it where the ball was going over his head he'd always dink it back over the 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 winger when they came he did it once yeah. in Cantonar, um again in that man united game and he did it and canter just nodded like <laughs> and that's it, it you get a nod from Eric Cantona. You are a good player. You know, there's no, no two ways about it.
2: But um... I remember um, he played once. We we played away at Sunderland on Sky Super Sunday, as it was incorrectly known, because it finished 0 nil. This game it was absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And um, I remember reading a story afterwards where Dick's one player of the. the this was in a day when people could ring in and vote for the, yeah. for the player of the match, and um, he won the, the he won it and got put on the bottle of champagne. And um, apparently, off camera, he said to the guy like the Jeff Shreve's equivalent. Uh, I can't believe anyone voted in, and apparently the votes said, to him, "Well, uh, only six people rang in." And what made me <laughs> laugh was I'd rang in twice <laughs> to vote for this, so I never really knew if that was apocryphal or not. But I, you know, it was, it was um, just a genuinely skillful player, and even like you know that was a particularly awful game, and he stood out just because he, he had that bit of class, really. And um, I think that gets a bit, a bit forgotten in the sort of the red card and the blood and blood and thunder tackles. Totally
1: very very good plan a funny funny story about man of the matches um i remember when ian wright was west was playing for west ham He'd win man of the match every week, even like he'd be on for 10 minutes because obviously the people that voted for man of the match then met the man of the match. Yes, and yes. so it was like even right, he, he had barely kicked the ball, but he was man of the match. But uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. And obviously, he's he's, he's a dad again, isn't he, Julian? He had, he had a kid the other day, so uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what you need when you're uh putting together a battle plan to stay up in the Premier League. He's another kid, yeah,
2: he's a better man than me, Take bit, it exactly, old, but yeah, yeah it
1: fifty fifty-three 53 as well now, so it's like same days, yeah. same birthday as phil parks um
2: there we go uh julian's in who's next then jim so centre back i've gone my first center back is steve potts oh, so i just uh, to be honest so when i played football certainly when i was a kid i was a, a kind of small center back sort of yeah. a sweeper type player so potts was an obvious sort of player to try and emulate um really quick read the game really well and he also played in an era actually where there were a lot of sort of little and large striking partnerships so there was lots of sort of hit the big man and then you've got the small guy in alongside him And so you know he would often be paired up with Billich or reaper or whoever and, and mm. be the small guy marking the very quick you know or marking peter beardsley or whoever it would be yeah. um so again I, I probably underrated i think by Certainly by fans outside of West Ham actually. I think if Agreed. you said to the pots I think they just belong to um but you know, six hundred performances or six hundred appearances, sorry, for a you know, for a team that's in the top two divisions of the country, um yeah. uh, you know, shows that you're a pretty good player and we're still at the club i think in the academy
1: under, so, 20, yeah. under 23s yeah under 23s yeah. coach and uh i suppose you know when you look at the people in their prime if they played their whole career at west ham uh they're have to fit their prime sometimes so uh, yes
2: quite there yeah. you go.
1: and, good idea
2: <laughs> yes thank you yeah and and so what you're going to find now is i've got about four names written down <laughs> for his partner because I, the, the obvious choice is rio fernand but i you know yeah. I, I ruled ruled him out um, yeah. I also had Tony Gale down, but I kind of ruled him out as well because he wasn't really in his prime uh, when I started watching. Nah. So actually, in the end, I had a really hard choice between two players who played in the same team. Um, I thought Danny Gabadon was a, was an outstanding player, but he was injured quite a bit with us. So he probably he only did, had one yeah, good season. Yeah. So I've actually gone with Anton Ferdinand um, as as Potsy's partner. I, I, I just think, again, he, he was a very classy player, Ferdinand. He was. And It took a little while to sort of get to the level of ability that, you know, he he in the end demonstrated. And certainly Mm -hmm. his first couple of seasons, he was a bit hit and miss. But towards the end of that period, just before we got promoted, I thought he was a bit of a Rolls-Royce defender in the the championship, as was, you know, just a cut above. And then when we went up, you know, particularly in that first season, I thought he was outstanding. And I always felt it was a bit of a shame, really, that his career kind of tailed off. I mean, if you end up playing for Sunderland, mm-hmm. you've essentially given up playing professional football. So you yeah. know, it 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 was very disappointing, I think, on a personal level for him that he ended up where he did, because I felt like he actually had a bit more to give than that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think it it always seemed to me like maybe some of that off the pitch stuff around the end of the Pardew era, you know, affected him, and so. I yeah. don't think he ever quite delivered on his potential, but when he was good, I thought he was a very good player.
1: Yeah, I mean him and Elliot all together as a partnership were really, you know, great in the championship, weren't they? And yeah. And, you know, not he was a great defender, yeah, you know, he has scored that goal against Fulham, weren't it? And he was yeah. um he was Premier League man of the month like in the first yeah. season. Um, which was and the then- only gone on, Goodness.
2: Yeah, sorry. I, well, I was going to say, I mean, he played. I mean, if you think we had Gabadon and we had Collins, it was Ferdinand was the guy who played and right. it was the other two One other. um, who, who rotated around him. And, you yeah, know, Gabadon played a bit more, I think, than Collins. But, you, you know, I think Ferdinand, were, you know, he was quick, he could play and... Mm-hmm. um probably suffered a bit in comparison to his brother but he was a good player if you assessed he him as a, as a player on his own
1: so. yeah totally and he i think him it. and his him and his brother were the first brother pairing to ever win the premier league play of the month he was telling it was all his stats he was saying he's reading off yeah, I think, yeah right, only, right. I think there was only something like maybe like 14 play a man of the match like months who were defenders or something like that and um it's just crazy at the time but uh yeah no and obviously you know he's part of that you know relatively successful you know fa cup final team yeah. as well and uh obviously got promoted with us and he loves the club just yeah. still loves the club and I, and I love players who who leave and they still love west ham you know and
2: it's quite nice isn't it when you it's lovely there, yeah.
1: It's lovely when you feel that you know when you hear what they say and also he spoke about what well, again something i didn't realize i didn't really think about was the pressure on players when it comes to the playoff finals so obviously I was, he was like because i know you know i've i've been i'll you know when i went with my, my brother I, you know people know me since i was 12 and they're still there the tea ladies and, and i'm thinking yeah. shit, if we don't win this game they're out in their ear yeah, and he's yeah. like i can imagine a lot of people don't give a shit, but you know for people like him it was really refreshing for him to say that yeah and, and obviously, i
2: quite nice because i I hear a lot of fans i don't hear a lot of fans say oh we need to go down we need to go down so we can reset it would be the best thing ever and we would come out and all this and i always think to myself well you know but there's a human cost to that which is that as you say people lose their jobs you know the 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 company as is you know suddenly start you know the profits nosedive by like 80 percent. you know there's like a real cost to that and and you know i think it's it's quite nice that you're saying um that he would be an example of someone who's a bit more human oh, yeah, yeah
1: and, and he and he and he was really open about the pressures of having you know his brother is his brother yeah you know like, yeah. and i I didn't I, and i didn't talk about that because i thought oh, i wasn't going to talk about that um but he pulled it up and was like yeah it was yeah. really odd i struggled i, did, I really struggled and then and then, like I think it was Joe Cole, like they all started putting their arm around him when he started getting to the you know training sessions at the first team, and then he felt a little bit like he he wasn't standing on Rio's coattails all the time because that must have been really hard.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Same true. position, same position as well, you know. And um, yeah. but anyway, Anton, Anton's yeah. in.
2: So I've got. I don't know if you have any restrictions on formation. Nope. I'm playing. Okay, all right. So I'm playing four, two, three, one. So I've got two holding nice. midfield or two deep in midfield. So the first one is Scott Parker, who um, I know a lot of fans have a bit of a funny relationship with Parker because of it, I think yeah. that's primarily because he ended up at Spurs. But I, yeah. you know, if, if we took that position with <laughs> every single one of our players who left and, and went it. to a, a rival, we we wouldn't like anyone. So yeah. I, yeah I, you know, an outstanding player during his time here. And I think I think he meets my criteria, right? I think if you ask most non-West Ham fans about, you know, who did he play for, I think they'd say, well, I remember him at West Ham, you know, he won the player of the year in a team, a team that went down. And, um, you know, a, a, a really like a high-class player and probably another one of those examples of a player who's probably a bit more professional than the environment mm-hmm. that he ended up playing in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really just liked him as a player and felt, I, I, what the biggest shame I think of, of his West Ham career was probably Thomas Hitzelsberger getting injured when we signed him that year that we went down because Hitzelsberger was a really high class player um, and he yeah, unfortunately got injured and we got relegated so we lost him but having him for a few years alongside Parker would have would have made a big difference um, but just generally you know again another very good player
1: I agree and, it, and it, I I'm I'm very to you it winds me up um when, when play when you know something something like parker you know, in the modern era you know he as you said how many years three years in a row on football rights play of the season the season went down that's never happened and he was he carried west ham for three years on his back he would crawl off that pitch and because he went and played for a club because he didn't want to leave london his dad supported spurs so he wants to go He dad, i think his dad had passed yeah yeah it's exactly. just in but then people forget about other things. They forget about, you know, Martin Peters, and they forget about Bobby Moore to go to Tottenham. You know, that's that's all like what? It's you know, all being yeah. shoved aside. You know, it's, uh, it's
2: and now that um, now they all want him to come managers because he's had a successful time at you Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. know f- football fans are not terribly rational beings, to, be, yeah, to yeah. be honest. So, um you know, I you know I'd like to think that he still retains a fondness for the club, but no. no, I have no idea. But uh, oh, no. And, and an excellent player.
1: Yeah, definitely. Right, Um, Parkinson, who else have we got in that defensive?
2: Alongside him, I mean, ultimately, you've got Carrick, Frank Lampard, you know, Mm. either of those two could have gone in. The best central midfielder I've ever seen play for us is actually Alex Song, but he doesn't meet my criteria either, so I've Mm. robbed myself of him. So uh, the other player that I'm going to play alongside him is Manuel Lanzini, um, who I've always felt is better, deeper. Anyway, I know lots of fans probably think of him as a number 10, but to me, the kind of... um, uh, identicate Lanzini performance was the Spurs game in the, well, the League Cup, remember, Carabao, mm. or whatever it was, when we were 2-0 down at half-time at Wembley. And the second half, Lanzini just came alive and we came back to win it 3-2, which I'm sure most West Ham fans will remember. Um, and just, you know, his ability to get on the ball, his ability to do things, his ability to to retain possession in difficult circumstances. Mm. It's just a, a, a fantastic player, Lanzini, and it's such a shame that he's got this injury because i'm not completely sure he's, he's going to come back from that because it, it looks a bad one uh well it was a bad one definitely uh but it looks like it's it's you know he's struggling to come back from it and he obviously just got himself into the argentina team to play alongside messi and all the rest of the, at the world cup so you know again i think there's sort of an outside validation of how good a player he, he is or was because argentina were going to give him that role when they've got a million you know outstanding central midfielders but i i just think um a brilliant little player and for me as much as i you know as much as i like mark noble and ian bishop you know lanzini for me would be the the player in that position
1: yeah no i agree i agree i think it's just yeah it's it's a shame i think obviously he 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 was in his prime i think when we signed him and then because of injuries he'll never be that level again you know i mean It's, it's a shame because there is a player in there you know i remember um when mr mr pyatt was in the team and lanzini and i remember one of the video guys they were recording free kicks and lanzini was his free kick accuracy was like 30% better than pyatt's you know it's right. just yeah, he'd yeah, never yeah. He'd never get a chance to kick it because it was always <laughs> piet's ball and uh, yeah. and you could still think there was a player in there and yeah He's got a lovely apartment, though. Yeah, you know, over the <laughs> like yes. Wolf. Yeah, you know, he's 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 an Instagram. You know, kick ball outside of his dog, um right. and yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I mean, you know, I think it's it's a shame how it's worked, how it's happened, you know, recently. But um you would think the way the team is set up now, a fit again, Lanzini would be brilliant in that three field. We've seen would be
2: the, would be the best signing we could make. You know, yeah. we'd be getting Lanzini back fit again. I mean. If they can do that you know if, if that kind of what what we saw at the end of last season was just a bit of rust and actually mm-hmm. lanzini can you know get back to the level he was at um i'd feel a lot more comf- confident about our chances in the upcoming season Definitely. um so we'll have to see but uh, you, to me uh, yeah just a, a great player sure
1: all right lanzini's in who's next so, then, Jim?
2: so wide right trevor sinclair and um, one of my favorite all-time players and um, pace skill Great finisher, and selfless team player. Uh, you know, played either side, played as a wing peg, um at various times. You know, I, you know. I think one of the most gratifying things that I think I've seen as a fan was Sinclair getting into the World Cup squad in two thousand and two. You know, for a guy who played like eight times for England or something, to to have managed to have got five of them in a World yeah. Cup. You know, culminating in a in a quarter final against Brazil. And um, you know, but that was that was so. And you know you can't get too invested in footballers but I kind of felt like almost a personal connection I wanted him to do mm-hmm. well I really I really wanted to say I was kind of proud of him in a way that I, I hadn't ever really felt about yeah. a West Ham or a player before or a West Ham player before because um I just felt whenever I watched him play for West Ham that he you know he was a proper professional and he mm-hmm. would do everything that you wanted or everything yeah. that you thought you would do if you ever got the chance to play for West Ham. So he, he ran as much as he could, he tracked back, he put in the yards, you know, he scored brilliant goals. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I write a blog called called The H List and I, I wrote a, a, an article about Trevor Sinclair, um, a kind of retrospective piece about him because he, he was actually one of the players that moved us from being that sort of bottom of the table or bottom yeah. core of the table team kind of at the mid mid to late 90s to being that team that finished fifth in 98, 90 and that, that, that crazy, batshit crazy team that mm. finished uh, fifth with a negative goal difference, you know okay. lose 6-0 away from home, beat absolutely everybody at home, you know Sinclair was a prime part of that team and um, I just, uh, I always really liked him, I think he's probably my, you can tell I think he's probably my favourite player in this team yeah. um, that I've chosen and, and you know, even now, I I, I kind of th- I think back very fondly on on Trevor Sinclair's West Ham career.
1: Totally, totally exchange Jim. I'm to- I'm still a fanboy, um, and he and, and and he still talks really highly of the club and interacts with people on Twitter and and stuff like that. And he's just a nice guy. He's he's a nice guy, and I think clearly enjoys his time at West Ham. And um yeah. And it was, you know, an absolute masterstroke by Harry to get him in, you know, and, uh, you know, for what yeah. was it, like Breaker and Roland and a couple of million or something like that, mental.
2: Yeah. Absolutely fleece them, yeah. And yeah. Just, but, you know, if you're going to do, like, the top 10 greatest signings in West Ham's history We oh. probably got Dev- devonshire for five grand and then you know sinclair's got to be in there somewhere isn't that yeah you know, an, in- an incredible signing and as you say actually he messaged me on twitter after i wrote that article about him and, and you know like a 12 year old boy i was just you know, it's true isn't it? just it's just not like my wife
1: <laughs> yeah so no it's true wife. it's not like um it's weird like in his modern era particularly now more than ever you don't really get autographs and and selfies and things like that. It's all about a follow or a retweet or a like. So you know, it's like, you know, like uh yeah, Trevor. I mean, you know, we'll put Trevor on the he'll, he'll always retweet on my when when he appears in them. No, no, never, exactly. he hasn't blood, he hasn't bloody been on them yet. I keep he keeps he, then, then he likes my tweets when I say when you're coming on, you know. It's like, are you yeah. just do you have a bot? Is this a bot well, he and it says Trevor Sinclair automatically likes, but um yeah, same as Ian Bishop. Fish will retweet anything you say. Anything yeah. that's good about him, he'll retweet it, and I love it. And Macca
2: and all that. Look, he sent me a couple of messages as well because I, I wrote three of those articles. There was one about yeah. like, uh, one about Bishop and one about Jack Collison, and they all they all messaged me. Yeah, like, you know, all good boys, like a twelve-year-old you know the 12 year old in me again was just like yeah. you know ringing up my dad telling him you know i've just ian bishop just wrote me a message you know and, and we were we were both thrilled because he was my dad's favorite player so oh. yeah Sinclair, Sinclair, uh, i probably even though i don't think he was ever captain for west Ham, i probably met him captain in this team just yeah my good. all right
1: he's <laughs> yeah. on the right right who's next then jim
2: uh so wide left i've gone with dimitri Payet. yeah again, no, i know a, a, a lot of fans probably i think actually a lot of fans probably a past their feelings about Piatt now, yeah. I think, and just look back on it with a sense of ah. um, wonder, really, that we had a player this good um, in, in our club, um, oh, you know, yeah. and, and it was only sort of 50 games or 60 games or whatever it was, but but what are what a 50 games, you know, yeah. he had and Um, You know, I remember um, I took my daughters, actually, to an away game at Blackburn in the Cup. We won five. Oh, that game. Wow. I took them out there. We had West Ham had like 7,000 fans there. They were were quite young. In retrospect, probably too young to go, but nonetheless. Uh, And they were kind of standing on the seats next to me, and the crowd were going bonkers. And Payette scored two brilliant goals. One was a free kick and one was a a dribble. Awesome. And, you know, I just kind of remember um, sort of they they were too young, really. But I kind of walked away from the ground thinking... Oh my god i can't believe i was able to take my kids to watch See a that. player that kind of virtuoso um playing for us and um uh, geo mentioned this on on his one as well there was a game where we drew two all with manchester city in, in that final season at the bowling which is the, the same yeah. season and pyatt was just comfortably the best player on the pitch you know in, in a game that featured aguero silver prime yaya Toure. you know yeah. just like unbelievable players everywhere you looked and Pyatt was a head and shoulders above all of them. He was he was he was a brilliant player and and brilliant for us. And irrespective of the kind of um the circumstances around his departure, I think I'll always be grateful that we had that certainly that last season at the Bowling, we just we had a player that good turning out for us. It's uh, even now it kind of blows my mind
1: i mean yeah we we wouldn't have had that season would we wouldn't that season wouldn't have been as great as it was without him and you know i've mentioned before when Pirates come up it's the first it was the first time i can ever remember and even still now um that all my non-west ham mates wanted one of my players in their team you know, they, yeah. he he was the man. You know, he was, you know, he was like the guy in the Premier League that everyone wanted. And, uh, you know, Tottenham fans, or Arsenal fans, all the players they've had, and they wanted, they were like pissed and shitting themselves when we played them because of Dimitri Payet. And I don't ever remember that happening. Yeah, you might have it occasionally. You know, and Tony's in a bit of form at the moment. So, yeah, but it was every game. And he just did it from day one. You yeah. know, I remember that shit at uh, um, South End uh, friendly. And he was just awesome. And then, you know, when we played Arsenal, you know, a lot, of, a lot of particularly foreign players need a couple of games to get into the swing of,
2: Yeah.
1: No, the boners, the little 360s he did. And, um, yeah, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant player. No, yeah. I loved him. The the, technically the best player I've ever seen at West Ham. I think that's fair. I mean, we haven't had a Ballon d'Or nominee since, you know, all before. So. Uh, all before, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Agree, agree. I, I think uh, I think Jonathan Spector got close one year. If I remember, uh, <laughs> yeah, right,
2: probably.
1: Good old Johnny. Yes. Um, Right, Payette's in. Who's next? Who's next?
2: Jimmy? So my number ten is this one's at borderline as to whether or not you'll accept it under the under my ridiculous uh, terms. But I've gone with Joe Powell. <laughs> Um, yeah. because I feel like people associate Joe Cole with West Ham. Um, I agree. Possibly because he was a good player for Chelsea, but not but probably not a great player in the way that say Lampard was. Yeah. And then he went on to Liverpool and then he sort of, you know, he ended up with a quite um sort of nomadic career really. But he had two two periods at West Ham. Yeah. And um the, the year that we went down, J. Cole won Hammer of the Year and actually played central midfielder all season long. And I thought was like outstandingly good mm. in that role, um as a kind of um, box-to-box midfielder. And Mourinho got hold of him and turned him into something else. But yeah, um, you know, really, whether he's a number ten, I'm not really sure. But I, you know, I I considered him the, the guy who possibly could also be in this role is Berkovic. Who i who I yeah, also choice. strongly he's on my subs bench if you allow me. One. But <laughs> uh, but but Cole. Cole, I think, just again, seemed to genuinely care, seem to really value being a West Ham player and value, mm. um, kind of his association with the club, and um, you know, I'm kind of looking at my team and thinking, this team would let so many goals in, but you know, going forward, you would you would pay your season ticket money to come yeah, and watch these definitely. guys, and so, um, uh, yeah, I put him in there
1: yeah no, i totally agree and, and yeah i mean he's yeah you know, his family's still west ham, massive west ham fans he's you know he still was, speaks very highly of the club every time he's on commentary or analysis work um and he came back you know and 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 i think he had unfinished business at west ham and you're right he went to chelsea and they sort of ruined this Beautiful football player who, if he was given a free role when, when the free role sort of disappeared in that sort of era, um, he would have been one of the greats. I really think so. I really think he had all the bits, but unfortunately, he was put into a box which didn't fit him. You know, it was if he was like if he was like in around sort of, you know, everyone talks about him yeah, in Gaza's era, but if he was around sort of, you know, that era where he could where Gaza was allowed to just go and play. You know it's Tottenham. It just it wasn't a position it was it was the proverbial free roll that's how i saw joe cole i just think yeah you know it, I mean? well it,
2: it, he's an interesting player because um there's also if you look now there's a lot of kids coming through english academies and through the english system who are highly technical players who are incredibly skillful dribblers and someone like Jaden sancho would be yeah and um, a good example of that Foden, another one um, and a lot of that actually is there has been a change to the way that the FA have coached in the last sort of few years. And I, I kind of know this just because I've gone through a couple of the of course. courses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's tons of stuff about, you know, you stay on the ball, you stay on the ball, you you learn to, to retain possession in difficult positions and you play out from there. And actually, so Joe Cole was slightly ahead of his time. Mm. And I think if Cole came through now, I don't think he'd be viewed with the suspicion that he was at the time and he, he sort of he arrived to Redknapp, who was of course a a, a very offensive attacking coach Mm. who paid very minimal attention to defensive work. So of course, Cole actually probably, he was a great coach for for Joe Cole, but then ended up with Mourinho who who would, you know, Mourinho would take Messi and have him track back, you know, I mean, he would would have defensive responsibilities. So, (laughs) you know, Mourinho is, you could argue was a great coach for Cole. I don't really know because he gave him structure and he gave him discipline that he didn't have before. But I feel like if Cole kind of emerged into this era now, into in particularly this sort of international era where you have an England team that's full of young technical players, mm. um, you know, like I said, Sancho, Hudson, and Doyle, these various players around um, who are really skillful and, and kind of quite progressive. I feel like Cole now would be would be sort of held up on a pedestal in a way he wasn't when he arrived, because I think people yeah. viewed him a bit with suspicion, like. Oh, he's going to be great, but he's going to try one too many lollipops and he'll give the ball yeah. away, and then we'll and then we'll you know we'll lose. Um, so it's possibly a man out of his time. I don't know, but but from my perspective, maybe it's a romantic pick. But I always um, I always sort of had a soft spot for Joe. Yeah,
1: no, I think everyone has a soft spot for Joe, don't they? So we'll put Joe in, and then who's the last piece of this puzzle? So my striker,
2: yeah. who's going to bring all of this together, is the most complete striker that I think West Ham have had in thirty years, which is Dean Ashton. Yeah um just uh, it's such a shame that he got injured um and it's in such a ludicrously west Ham way where he gets called up for england gets gets his ankle broken by the smallest man in the western world (laughs) playing professional football (laughs) (laughs) and sean wright phillips and never recovers from it you know just just such a shame um because he i thought aston had everything i thought he could i agree play in, in any way really and hold the ball up he could attack he could finish uh, you know he could attack in multiple ways and um, both feet strong in the air just just an outstanding player mm. um and yeah possibly uh, it says a bit melodramatic that he might be like one of the biggest regrets of you know the west hand sort of the, my no, era I, of sporting west Ham no, is, is the demise of the Ashton. Mm.
1: No, definitely he he was the complete striker wasn't he really it, i mean i i've never seen anyone since obviously but you know he, he was you know, tall enough to compete in the air. He was big enough to hold it up. He had a turn of pace; it wasn't rapid, but he had a turn of pace to beat a defender. Skillful. Um, you know, some of his goals were, were fantastic, and some of the way. He, obviously, I remember obviously the bicycle kick, and obviously when he turned at the uh, Middlesbrough in you know, the semi final, and he yeah, turned yeah. those. You know, he was a brilliant player, and you know he would have been. Well, he well he may have been West Ham the West Ham team for many years he may have buggered off to Man United to partner Rooney but he would have done that for England and yeah
2: yeah and I, I think he was you know there's that old phrase about being a, a a great goal scorer and a scorer of great goals and I think yeah. Ashton fits that description because uh, if you ever see any of Rob Banks's sort of clips that he posts up or, yeah. or Vinny Ryan who posts a lot of stuff on Twitter you know you sort of watch some of Ashton's goals and of course you know through the mists of time as we'll get a bit older you forget some of them and you just kind of watch the the, the skillfulness of his finishing, mm. but also the variety of his finishes as well. Yeah. You know, he could score from a lot of different places on the pitch. And I think it, it's a real shame because they bought Craig Bellamy, um, who is yeah. another player I, I rated very highly. And I think they only played together in one game, which was that yeah. game we won at Reading 3-0 and then Ashton got injured. And. and you know i think those two together as a partnership um albeit i've I've got him up front on his own but that's fine i've got i've got attacking players to help him uh you know it, it, that, that partnership could have been really strong yeah. because at the time Kirby was building quite a strong um foundation behind him so yeah a, a, a great shame about what happened to ashton but yeah um you know still still a, a very very good player when he was here
1: yeah he was and
2: on your bench i
1: know you mentioned that we don't usually do the subs but you can rattle you through <laughs>
2: Alright, I'll quickly wrap up this. So I've got I've got I've got Fabianski but he contravenes my rules. So I'm going to go Rob Green, yeah, Crosswell, uh, Declan Rice, Ian Bishop, Ilberkovic, Craig Bellamy who also contravenes my rules really and then Arnautovic who I sort of have a even though he's a bit bonkers. I quite I quite like Thought he, he was a, great, uh, a pretty good player.
1: He was a good player. Um jim man that's been it's been great it's been fun uh the time is an hour and ten minutes almost Fucking now, <laughs> jesus when people start talking west End, they they're just like it goes from <laughs> further, isn't it? i
2: love it i love it man thank you so well, much thank, for the time. not so thank you for having me it's been an absolute Absolutely, pleasure
1: that's been lovely thank you and obviously thanks everyone for watching um all listening because we're on spotify and apple what what, uh, podcasts and things like that, wherever you're on, whatever platform, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything else and hit any notifications and um, to make sure you're made aware of any anytime we put new content on. Um, and obviously, for those of you, you know, around uh, Thursday nights, make sure you're tuned into the live stream, be good fun. Um, and for me and Jim, take care, everyone. Stay safe, come on you wines, and we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye.
0: 18 plus.